0: So welcome to the Salesforce Posse recorded on the 18th of March 2022 and here I am very pleased to eventually have on the podcast Andy Engin. Did I get it right? That's
1: perfect. Oh,
0: it's brilliant. Perfect. <laughs> So thanks so much for being on the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I've been, we've been meaning to chat for ages but kind of circumstances never quite transpired my kids got ill and then we had to postpone and it just kind of went round and round in circles a little bit and eventually yeah we managed to get on but I've been meaning to get you on for quite a while um but just to start off um I'd love to know like because you've you've only been well you've been in what looks like in the Salesforce ecosystem relatively recently ish um not like 10 years or a decade or anything like that. And I just wondered, you know, how did you get into the Salesforce ecosystem?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, uh, Francis, thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited uh, being here and telling my story to your audience. Mm. Now, um, I'm, I'm a very, very different guy. Like my, my background and history is quite different. Now, um, mm. I was born in Turkey, raised in Turkey. Uh, I went to a German junior high and high school. I learned everything in German language for eight years. My gym teacher was German. (laughs) So (laughs) did you you know German before you went to the school or were you? No, no, no. Oh, really? No. So, um, I mean, for the last six years, we found also English. And, you know, Mm. like we've, you know, we had all kinds of other classes that we could take. Um, I always wanted to go to the United States, you know, get better in English and, you Mm. know, also advance my studies, I decided to stay for uh, my undergrad studies in Turkey, in Istanbul. Uh, Mm. I finished industrial engineering. And in 1994, I went to University of Florida from Istanbul, Turkey. And University of Florida Ah. is in Gainesville. And uh, I finished engineering management there. Uh, And uh, I met my wife also in Gainesville. And, you know, (laughs) my my wife... uh, was also studying uh, doing the same program with me and then I ended up working for American Express in Fort Lauderdale for about three and a half years four years Mm. and I always wanted to move back to Turkey and I proposed to my now wife Amy and I said you know I want to move to Turkey with you and we stayed in Turkey for 18 years we have wonderful two kids uh, our daughter is now at University of Florida, you know, like we went full circle, and and, and our son just uh, qualified to go there, but, you know, she, he qualified for a couple of schools, so he hasn't made uh, his decision yet. Right. So, we, we never planned on moving to the United States. We, we were going to stay in Istanbul, Turkey, but, you know, mm. especially... Uh, the education system and the way things were going with the universities and the state of universities got us a little bit concerned. And we always wanted to have the kids have the the same education we've had in the United States. So as they approached college age, uh, we said, let's make this change. Hmm. And uh, my background as it relates to Salesforce and anything technical is, I mean, I'm the type of a kid who always played with computers, right from the mm. very young Good age. Knew, yeah. <laughs> uh, my my first computer was a Spectrum. In fact, you know, oh, really? <laughs> you know, you, you'll know Spectrum, right? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So, <laughs> so, so I I was uh, I mean I grew up like typing in basic yeah. games from books into yeah, the Spectrum. <laughs>
0: And, and them then out, not realize you got a mistake somewhere having to come, Yeah, back. exactly.
1: After hours you find out it doesn't work, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then all those uh, uh, games on tape and things like that. You know, I'm not going to go back oh, to yeah. that. I sound super old when I do that. But I remember going times to
0: hitting play on the tape recorder to load the game, yeah. going down to the sweet shop, coming back and realizing it crashed halfway through playing.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah but when I started my professional career, I started doing like Process analysis mm. and quality stuff, uh, some simulations. And, you know, I quickly got promoted to a project manager position. And then after that, I got involved with service and call centers. And I was oh, a I call know. center guy for almost all my life after that. Oh, interesting. And the last position I had in Istanbul, Turkey, I was uh, running the Turkish arm of Teleperformance, an international giant for uh, BPO and call center operations. And I had close to 3,000 staff mm, to wow. about, I think at that time, 36 to $38 million revenue uh, yeah. uh, every year. Um, and you know when we decided to move to the United States, uh, it didn't really work out with the employer at the time because they exist actually in the United States that I take a position over on the side. Right. So I said, I wanna go more technical. Mm. Uh, and uh, my introduction to Salesforce I mean f- first of all I've been involved with CRM systems almost all my life you know like mm-hmm. I, I worked on Siebel. I had staff working on Siebel I had I used to write access database databases like when you know that was a thing yep. <laughs> uh, even for for uh, to, you know to, to just keep a record of all my personnel in the call center you know yeah, yeah, yeah. so so and even I, I even thought like an elective class at the university about social CRM at some point, mm. and I, I always kept track of different technologies that was that that was coming along. And more than ten years ago, I think it's been like maybe twelve years, I had a small sales team at uh, the call center company that mm. is owned by the biggest telco in Turkey, and uh, when I was managing them, I I implemented Salesforce. All right. At that time, the telco was implementing Siebel and was having a tremendously difficult time like everybody else. <laughs> and, and, you know, they didn't have the time to s- spend on us to implement any kind of CRM for our purpose. Yeah. So I just plugged in my credit card from all the way in Turkey. I was, I'm, I was probably one of the first first clients of Salesforce in Turkey. Yeah. And, you know, I started using uh, Salesforce. We had a couple of very little partners uh, who helped us configure a couple of things. And uh, we were on our way. And, uh, it's it was amazing how Salesforce just got into
0: companies just that way, by somebody just handing yeah. over their credit cards, because yeah. their internal IT or whatever, you know, didn't, didn't work. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, yeah exactly. credit card, here we go.
1: So uh, when I decided to move to the United States, that happened in uh, around 2017, in summer of 2017, mm. my wife and kids moved. I was still working in Turkey, so I was traveling back and forth. Right, okay. I started studying for my admin certification, kind of like maybe uh, October, November of 2017. Mm. I moved to the United States in March. I got uh, admin certified in April. (laughs) And then I established a limited liability company. Then I made that limited liability company a Salesforce partner right so, so so then I started getting more and more uh, certifications yeah I mean every I think everybody has a superpower right everybody has yeah, a superpower absolutely. you know we are good in some things and we are not good in some other things And it used to be in the past that you know you you focused on your weaknesses and tried to get them yeah. stronger that, that's not the way people no, realize exactly, no, yeah. you, you know I think my superpower is I can learn things by myself you know like yeah so I, I'm a self- thought, 12 times certified. Now, I, I actually got Slack admin certified yesterday. Oh, really? So, so, so 13 how times. That? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to change things up, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, 13 times certified, uh, like, application architect. Yeah, now, yeah. All self-taught. Awesome. And uh, I was doing this business by myself, and then, uh, you know, well, well, how did we get to flows, right? You know, that was another question. Yeah. Uh, like I said, you know, I always um, had programming in my background. I've done some, I think, MATLAB when I was doing my oh, really? yeah, yeah. Uh, masters at University of Florida. I was doing uh, some kind of nonlinear optimization on MATLAB. Imagine, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I always had some kind of coding background, but you know, I d- didn't really spend a lot of time like typing code so when
0: so so yeah so when you were using the salesforce platform was it still more declarative you didn't kind of get into the code side of salesforce
1: well yeah i mean i got platform developer one certified right, right. and you know i did write some code and you know i read some code but you know i cannot really imagine myself spending uh, all my day in front of a uh, computer typing stuff yeah i
0: neither.
1: don't know i i have i have any, anyways I have attention issues anyway right so yeah. <laughs> so I'm the type of guy who cannot stay focused for very long time uh, I cannot for example read very long boring books you know I, I've never been able to you know oh, so right. I'm okay. not that I'm not that guy mm. uh, so when I found flow and I started playing with it I'm like this is really cool this is what I want to do and you know I started playing with it and you know it just felt natural it was fit it was a mm. great fit for me. And I started focusing on it more and more, and I love helping and teaching people. I said, let me just see whether people are gonna like my style, whether they can understand my Turkish, German, whatever accent, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whether, whether the pace so, so is what,
0: good. So what was your motivation for, because you've created an hour of course on Flow, Salesforce Flow. Yeah. Um, what was your motivation to create
1: it? well I mean I believe in lucky coincidences and I always believe in listening to people I mean I have actually another side I'm an I'm also an angel investor uh, right I, I invested already like into four startups you know one of them had to stop I have three uh, but I understand the startup mentality quite a bit so mm-hmm. uh, and I I like that so what I do is I, see what I like and you know I create like a minimum viable product or whatever you know like for that project that I have and yep. I put it out there and then I listen to feedback and I evolve right absolutely it, yeah. into things I like obviously if I don't like something hey, yeah. I'll stop doing it when I moved to the United States I put a couple of things on Amazon sold a couple but, of things I'm like you know this is not for me I don't like any anything about this business right hmm. so When I started doing I said, okay, well, I'm going to create a class, uh, like free training on, uh, and I was using at that time a platform called like a new startup startup called Superpeer, Mm -hmm. uh, where you could do live uh, webcasts and also record what you're doing. So I decided to teach uh, Salesforce flows in Turkish and in English. I started both both programs at the same time and that was I think was it uh, January 2021 the recording is still on my YouTube channel it's actually quite popular I mean yeah. I have actually two YouTube channels people don't realize I have oh, really? contact content yes and uh, I have also yeah. English content how does how does your what's the because I love
0: like my students yeah and like with yours as well I'm too, you know on, on your your flow course you get students from all over the world because you're nearly like yeah. three thousand two thousand students is it I can't, I can't remember now it's it now
1: 2,600.
0: Yeah, so nearly 3,000 students. And so how, how is it different teaching? Are you literally carbon copy teaching? Do you get different questions? Like, how how is it different teaching it in Turkish than it is in English? Or well, the reactions to the students and the questions yeah. you get?
1: I mean, well, there are fundamental cultural differences, first of all. I mean, toward education, toward um uh, the content uh, you know the level of criticism and appreciation they different uh, they are quite different from one uh, culture to another so mm. that's that's the fundamental difference first of all right uh the the turkish eye probably including me is quite like perfectionist and quite uh critical right. the first time I tweeted, I have also like a Turkish Twitter, you know, like another handle where I tweet Turkish once in a while. (laughs) When I first tweeted my uh, Udemy class, the Flow Udemy class in English to that Mm. audience, and there are a bunch of talented people who speak English, they uh, watched the free introduction and... In the free introduction, there was like uh, subtitles and, you know, because they want to understand very well when, when you're a Turkish speaker, you usually like to turn on subtitles so that yeah. you don't miss anything. And the subtitles were automatically generated and there was some odd word in it. And that was the first thing they responded to me with. They said like, well, great class, but you know, what the hell is this word? You know, you won't get that from Americans. You know, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful <laughs> that you don't get that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's just different. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying it's really bad, but the the take is quite different. Yeah. And obviously the economic pressures and, you know, what you, what's happening in that country is dominating everything. Like people from Turkey, they really want to understand whether this is a viable career for them that they can adopt and, you know, that'll help them to get to a better income level, possibly even move out of the country for like a like a yeah. different future right so that's that's what they are thinking rather than possibly the skills first they first they want to understand what is the vision you know where where can i get to right yeah and that that's very natural but i mean uh, it's been uh, well how did i get to udemy that's also quite important so i <laughs> i i thought this these sessions and you know i surveyed people i got some feedback and the feedback was phenomenal you know i mean My first session, I think 80 plus people registered and 50 plus showed up. I I couldn't believe it because, you know, I did it out of the blue. Mm. And uh, then I put the videos out there. People are watching it. I I had this guy, I think he was from the UK, by the way. This guy writing to me on LinkedIn and I have his name somewhere, but I, I, I don't have it memorized. He told me, dude, you know, I watched a lot of content about flow and whatever, and you know, I, I actually um, have a lot of Udemy classes as well, mm. and nobody does this thing like you do. Because yeah. what, what you do is you get on there, and then you start doing it step by step. And as you do it, you tell us why you're doing it. Yeah, I mean, this exactly is super it. valuable, and you, yeah. you just gotta get this on Udemy.
0: I think, I, think uh, I find that, yeah, I find that with, it's like the difference between why don't you just learn it on Trailhead? Why don't yeah. you just, learn, you know, and, and I think a lot of people, it's like, well, yeah, functionally knowing how it works, great, but actually why do we use it? And what are the best practices for using this feature or this function or, you know, all those little gotchas that I think you get value out of, you know, a proper course, you know,
1: so. Yeah. And, you know, I ask people, I'm like, do you understand me? Is the pace good? And, mm. you know, they said it's good. So I said, okay, let me get this out there. And uh, for a perfectionist like myself, it's actually super hard to produce something like this. Yeah. I produced it, it took me quite a bit of time. And when I put it out there, I didn't even watch it. I'm like, you know, I can't watch this, you know. <laughs> and I, I watched a bit I of this and myself. It's yeah, like, I, I watched it a bit of it? this and I, I said the wrong word in it. I said like I have to correct this one now. <laughs> so so, <Yeah. laughs> so I, I, I have to get away from this. So for me, Putting something out there on Udemy is much, much different because look I because it's free I can leave some stuff on YouTube that's a little bit out of date mm. because I know people can find still value in that, but when I put something on Udemy it's still if it's still for sale and everybody has lifetime access, I feel obligated to, to update, update it
0: and keep it set fresh. And yeah. It is so an, do I, yeah. Insane. It's a constant Job yeah, it almost. is an insane
1: yeah. person's job to keep anything updated on Salesforce, especially related to Flow, because yeah. the Flow product team is like on a Really Steam, evolving, right? yeah. Right, really evolving. Uh, I had to immediately change screens because they constantly keep changing screens, you know, they yeah. look different now.
0: I remember when I did my admin course and they had the uh, lightning, had the... Kind of like the, the, the Sidebar to access all the objects and stuff, and then they flicked yes. it to the top, and it was like <laughs> like everything <laughs> has changed, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the feedback is phenomenal. It's very, it's awesome to watch that dashboard on Udemy too, the, the world map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see yeah, People signing up from Mauritius and uh, yeah, New Zealand. I don't fair. know. It's it's just fascinating. It's, it's re-
0: it is really fascinating. And what I love doing is like reaching out i do kind of success calls with students to find out more about them and like i just like a week or two ago just did one with a student Mm -hmm. in south africa and another one in it's like mozambique or somewhere like that and it is quite it's quite fascinating just finding out how salesforce is evolving in their country and their challenges and things with using or not using salesforce Mm -hmm. and it was quite interesting just kind of One of my students, they feel like they're at the utter cutting edge of Salesforce because they know everybody in the country that uses Salesforce. Literally, there's like 10 of them. you know, (laughs) And they've got this kind of little community going on, um, which I kind of felt like 12 years ago when I started in Salesforce in the UK. It was all very brand new. Nobody knew what Salesforce was. Um, Whereas now, you know, I can't, well, I was at my kids' Uh, a birthday party, one of my kids' friends and one of the mums came up and said, hey, you're that sales, Salesforce guy. And I was like, oh, my God, this, this the world is, you know, I never used to get that at all. You know, if you yeah. go to Dreamforce, yeah, but nowhere else. And it's just a little bit weird now.
1: <laughs> yeah, before that at parties, you said you were involved with Salesforce and they were like, what? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. What is that?
0: It's cloud computing. What's that? that? <laughs> it's like, oh, God.
1: <laughs> yeah, my story is vastly different i'm the guy who just happened to be there and got interested in this and Mm -hmm. loved it liked it and i was on the surfboard when the tide went up you know like seriously that's how i that's how i define the whole thing because you know you you were actually there early on and you, Mm. you you were doing all the work and you've been through so many different interfaces and iterations but no like for example i learned the Details of process builder and workflow rules, I just know knew very little because now I know there's a need for people to actually transfer their stuff, like migrate yeah. their stuff from uh, workflow rules and process builders to Flow. I When I got involved with Flow, Flow was pretty much like this, you know, like not as capable, but yeah, still exactly. the same platform. I didn't even work on the Flow platform with the previous Flash interface or whatever, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that they had before.
0: Actually, I was in um, when Salesforce first purchased, because it was purchased from another company. I can't even remember who it was. Um, And actually, I remember being in the first, one of the kind of partner training courses for this new product that was called Flow at the time. It wasn't called Flow. I can't even remember what it was called. Maybe it was Flow. But yeah, it was very different. It was like a separate application on your desktop that you had to build it in and then save it up to Salesforce.
1: Um, yeah, but... I know exactly what that tool was supposed to do. I didn't know the tool. Because I come from the call center environment, there was a wave of products that were created for you to script what the yeah. agents are supposed to say uh, when they're talking and, to the Yeah, comments. and actually, so, ironically, th- that's, that's what where that I was. came
0: from as well. So yeah. my before I got into Salesforce, I actually worked in a different CRM, which is all process-driven that very yeah. much focused on call center where it's really scripted and yeah. the screen pops to you know outbound call centers where the screen is popping constantly. It's all timed and ranked and all this kind of stuff. And it's quite, yeah, it's quite interesting now that salesforce is moving from this record driven crm which was my kind of excitement when they first bought the flow product was how at last we're moving away from this record driven crm to this more process driven kind of crm yeah. where you could define really kind of define those processes for call centers and things like that really well um yeah. but yeah as you said like workflow process builder you know they're going the way of the dodo you know everybody's going to need to upskill into flow um mm-hmm. is it the end of this year is it that workflows you no longer will be able to create new workflows i think um uh,
1: well i'm i'm not sure uh, i think I it think is they and they said it, possibly maybe 23 or all oh, right okay well i think they usually announce it just
0: freak everybody else out and everybody out and then push the date out a little bit so yeah you're probably right <laughs> I,
1: I don't know but but i mean like with the state that the, the, the Migrate to Flow tool is in, it, it doesn't seem like they are very close. I mean, they need to give them give people a, a tool first.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I'm a bit, I, I was th- quite interested, actually, interested to get your feedback on this, because I was quite interested when, like, the, was it the last release before they put the, to be able to order the flows?
1: Yeah. The execution it was of, this, re, this release. This it was in this series. release, yeah.
0: Yes. I was quite interested on in why they released that now. Because Obviously, if you're migrating workflows and process builder processes over to Flow, you need to keep the order the same if you're using the migration tool, right? Otherwise, they could reorder and your execution could change and fields that it was expecting to be filled out aren't and kind of your process breaks, right? Yeah. But they've released the feature already to order the flows. So if I set the order to be, I don't know how it quite works, but say zero is an I always want to fire this first. When you go to migrate the rest of your workflow and process builder processes, surely it's then gonna screw up the order because then you have got yours in between. I don't know how it's. Well, I don't know quite how it's gonna work.
1: So first of all, uh, there is no guarantee. The you know, uh, let me say this again. So first of all. The, the order of execution is not guaranteed on any of the automation tools. So if you have multiple workflow rules, multiple process builders, and then multiple flows, like, you know, you don't yeah, really yeah. know which order they it's are going to not guaranteed, run. no. Yeah, so if you convert a couple of workflow rules, a couple of process builders, or you rebuild them on the flow side, but you decide not to put them into one single flow, then you don't really know what order they are going to run in. And you don't really need to, you don't really have to use the uh, execution order sequence number, whatever, you know, yeah, the, the functionality not, that you Yeah, because
0: they're connected within the flow, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I mean, or even is it if, if, if you're even rebuilding if it into a single flow or if you're connecting no, no, the flow even
1: if you have multiple flows, right? You have yeah. multiple triggers on the same object. Let's yeah. say you have five before save and five after save yeah. uh, triggers. If you do not use the uh, uh, order of execution number it's yep. going to actually do whatever it's been doing so yeah, you know exactly like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's the same so as having can, a process you, builder yeah, or a workflow yeah, yeah you can keep doing what you what you've been doing that's fine uh, but if you really wanted to influence the order then you can give it a number from one through two thousand and then that will uh, define the order of execution now they advise you like uh, in any other area of Salesforce, if you if you get sequence numbers, we have that in CPQ and a couple of other places, yeah. they advise you to use uh, numbers 10 apart so that you can put yeah, other 20. things in between if you need yeah. to. So even in that case, divided by 10, you get about 200 before save and you get about 200 after save. And this is the interesting part. Like the numbers from uh, 1 through 1,000 execute first mm. and then... The, as far as I can remember, uh, the triggers that don't have any number assigned execute and then the numbers from 1000 to 2000 execute. there's right. also, okay. uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, th- there's also something a detail in there. Now obviously it's very hard to test all this thing and you know like yeah. uh, <clears throat> uh, see what it does. And this so is so where I think to, So
0: when you yeah, migrate the workflows and the process builders, does it assign it a number?
1: I'm assuming it does. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think it does. So, how do they know?
0: Because this is the problem I've got. It's like, so say if we've got these workflows and process builder process, they haven't been assigned a, of a number, but generally they execute in the same order, yeah, as they always have been. Yeah, yeah. Although it's not guaranteed, but it generally does. You migrate them to flow, it's now shifted, <clears throat> and that's not now guaranteed if they're not going to put the sort order reference in it. So, now potentially, your workflows and your process builders are all jumbled up now as a flow if they haven't set a
1: sort order on well let's let's take an example right especially on the workflow builder side i don't think there is any potential issues because the things that you can do are quite limited we're <coughs> talking about field updates we're talking about create a task email and outbound messages like there are four things you can do on the workflow mm-hmm. rules side and these are actually executing Right now after save. There is no before save on workflow rules.
0: Yeah, but then if your criteria is relying on the previous workflow criteria to be oh, I saw, yeah, and then you're reevaluating the workflows again.
1: Yeah, well it then that, I, that's I, actually more of a problem than a feature that's why they don't want you in the workflow rules now the, the well, exactly yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the workflow rules uh, are prone to recursive action that there is yeah. actually they can run again right so but when you go to the flow side you can decide whether you want to run that before save after save now even play with the sequence but i mean in general when you're doing things on the workflow rule side you shouldn't be really having multiple workflow rules relying on the output of the previous one or something like that. That's not really hard, right? <laughs> but, <in> the... <laughs> but I've seen it many times. Oh, really? Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So, well, well, actually, by the way, let me just announce it here. I have, I think the the video turned out great. I have a video on my YouTube channel called I Broke the Flow Trigger Explorer. Something like that. I think i see it. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I saw it on the YouTube channel. And you know what I did over there, which is quite interesting. I think I used three before save flows and I used three after save flows and I designed them in a way, it's kind of like domino stones, you know, like one does one thing and the next one relies on the previous output. Exactly like you said. Yeah, yeah. And I put them in sequence, they were perfect. And immediately when I changed the order, obviously they break. Yeah. So so we know this thing works, right? You know, yeah. at least to some extent. <laughs> to that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just But I, just but yeah, I mean, I just... let me tell you what that is in my own perception. I think Salesforce wanted to put this thing out there because uh, we've had many MVPs, many influencers started... Uh, they, they started publishing content saying, you know, you should be only doing one uh, flow uh, for, yeah. per object. Per object, and, yeah. And, and salesforce didn't really want that they said they they don't really impose a rule like that but you know mm-hmm. they didn't really give you a way of managing it either and i think they wanted to get ahead of the curve and you know they wanted to give a message saying okay well you it's can it's not
0: the same as ma- process yeah, you can manage work,
1: yeah. you yeah. can manage multiple triggers now using this interface although at this point it is not perfect for example it doesn't show you the explore doesn't show you uh, the the flows in the uh, in the execution order. The Mm. the view actually shows you uh, all the flows in alphabetical order. So, you know, like there are things that they need to do still. But in the end, it was more of a message, I think, a general message than the functionality itself. Because, you know, what I found really interesting is, you know, the thing didn't come out in beta. They they just, you know, we didn't hear anything. Nobody expected this. I didn't expect this. soon. (laughs) I didn't hear anything about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, we are GA with this. I'm like, Whoa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And this is why it's like, it came out from nowhere. And I was a little bit, oh, okay. Yeah. It makes sense. Uh, yeah. and it, I, and this is what I kind of thought maybe it's something to do with that workflow and process build and migration that they needed to do it to allow them to do use the migration tool to make sure everything kind of stayed in the right order.
1: I think uh, there, there is there is one aspect that's very much related to what you're saying, which is uh, people have multiple workflow rules, like obviously in mm-hmm. their legacy Salesforce uh, orgs or like the, the orgs that they've been working on forever, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen clients who maxed out on number of workflow rules they can build on the object. I'm like, you know, oh my God, <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you shouldn't be doing this, but yeah. they have it. So, and you cannot really automate the refactoring of the workflow rules and yeah. the you know, creation of one single or like two three good uh, flows out of 50 workflow rules. Yeah. So when they give a tool to migrate workflow rules one-to-one to, process, uh, to, to, to flow, they need to also give away to people uh, to, to organize all that stuff. Yeah, I exactly, mean, yeah. So, so it is related. I, I yeah. agree with you.
0: And I think also, even if you just take like process builder and workflow, You know, workflow executes before process builder, and therefore, even just (laughs) that—the fact that all process builders—you're expecting them always to fire after the workflow is completed. Um, Potentially, even with recursion, if I get my, yeah, it should do. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. Um, So even that, when they migrate over to Flow, should still have that order, even if it's just all your workflows and all your process builder. I'm assuming.
1: I mean, I honestly think, and you know, I've said that many times and other people have said that too, uh, especially if you are working on an org uh, that has multiple uh, automations running, uh, the Migrate to Flow tool to migrate one single automation directly to Flow is not going to help you. Yeah. So you you need to... uh, Go into what automations you have, and I promise you, you probably don't know, right? You know, <laughs> you, you probably don't have the 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 wholesome picture, the accurate yeah, picture everything of everything that's
0: everything, going everything on, that's yeah.
1: running. So you need to start documenting, and you need to put that together, and yeah, you need to see that. how that would work best on the flow side. Because by the way, flow is much much more powerful than you know anything on the other side people just don't realize this is the first thing I tell them when, once I start talking about flow I say record triggered flow is one type of flow flow right you know like mm-hmm. out of like I don't know six seven now we have more like with the orchestrator and all these yeah. other templates we have you field service mobile flows and this and that so let's say 10 one out of ten and and under record triggered flow we, we have before save and after save so after Save Record Triggered Flow does everything that workflow rules and process builders do and more. Yeah. But we have a huge space out there, you know, like that, you know, you can play with. You can do many more things. So once you're uh, looking at what you've been doing all these years and then, you know, you look at the whole picture, most probably you're going to want to do, uh, do things differently when you come over yeah. to Flow.
0: And you've got the toolkit of flow to make those changes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where actually training and education comes in because I want everybody to understand all the different flow types and what the flow can do. Basically, that's the first thing. I mean, I get this question quite a bit. People will contact me and they'll say like, uh, Tell me one resource that will teach me everything everything about flow. That doesn't exist. Yeah. I don't have it. Nobody has it. Exactly. So what? I'm,
0: yeah, yeah. And it changes every three three times a year anyway. Yeah.
1: That's right. So what I'm trying to give you right now is a quick and easy way of you know understanding, getting up, getting the fundamentals right about yeah. what flow can do. You know what are variables? How can I loop? What's the trigger? You know what's Uh, a scheduled triggered flow versus a scheduled path because you know these are tricky they get confusing so once you understand everything that's out there that'll give you the base uh, that will help you evaluate you know what you can do on the flow side and then then you'll start drilling into details and learning more and more and that that will have to be always there because in the end whether uh, we all agree or not. This is low code is very similar to coding in the sense, you know, there are yeah, uh, totally. unlimited possibilities almost, and there are so many different ways of doing things.
0: Yeah, I completely. Mean, and it's really I, funny. It's like, oh, whenever people go, oh, I want to learn Apex or Triggers. I'm mm-hmm. like, do you know Flow? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, start there. If you're an yeah. admin, if you're, you know, definitely do Flow first because it's right. almost <clears throat> you're learning all those little coding concepts that you don't really know you're learning but you are using flow recursion collections all kinds of stuff variables um so that when you want to then move on to code if you want to after that it's way more accessible and it's an easier learning path in my opinion But yeah, I definitely think flow is, everybody should be learning, really. And
1: (laughs) that's that's also the reason why I always, uh, I mean, I shy away from making very bold statements about what to do and what not to do. Hmm. But that's uh, very understandable. The people who are stepping into the flow world, they actually like the comfort of knowing, okay, do this, but don't do this, right? They want a clear picture. They Hmm. want... You to tell them, you know, do it this way. This is the right way. The other one is the wrong way. But that doesn't exist in most of the areas under the flow, right? And uh, I also shy away from saying things like that because uh, now that I'm an influencer according to Salesforce and whatever (laughs) people know my name. I don't know. I don't even know what that means. But neither do I. I I really (laughs) don't. (laughs) Yeah, there is something out there. So. Uh, what I say kind of buries, uh, carries a certain weight, right? Mm. So if I tell people, okay, never do this, and then they've been doing that for a while, they are gonna feel bad, yeah. right? They are gonna be like, Yo. And I think it's, it's, it's the same, I thought,
0: I've seen it on, well, you've probably seen it as well, there's kind of been some kind of messages and things like that of people posting things and other people going, oh, I would never have done that. And I think it's like, it's a learning journey you know yeah. you you and different there's always a million different ways to do the same thing and your business and your org has different constraints to somebody else that means that you have to do it in a different way yeah. um and so yeah it, it's just kind of over time learning what works and what is best for you in that kind of scenario both business architecture you know your architecture of your, your org and the limitations of data or you know these huge data yeah. volumes or not and it's, it is it, you, you do things in different yeah. ways but it's yeah. coming together and learning from each other and is what I find you know is, is really fascinating. Um, Which is why I love these, you know, our community groups that we do and stuff like that, and everybody's webinars and stuff like that, because you kind of constantly learning different ways of doing things, different best practice. Oh, I did that, but actually, yeah, this could have been better if, if I did it this way in this other scenario. But yeah, it's all kind of valuable stuff.
1: Yeah, I shared this before. I mean, obviously, jokingly, but you know, about a year ago, like a little over a year ago, I i taught my son how to drive right teenage Mm. driving so what i usually tell tell him is like move slow be careful and stop when you hear a sound right so (laughs) and check (laughs) absolutely yeah you you don't you don't want to be moving fast because you're going to crash big right so Yeah. yeah so it's the same thing with flow right you know just do it in the sandbox and try everything. By the way, that's how I learn. You know, I try everything. Yeah. Do not go into your org and, you know, in, in production, try things, try this like schedule triggered flow that can change like 10,000 records. No, <laughs> don't do that. But, but try it in your sandbox and see what it can yeah. do. And it, if you mess up, just correct it, learn from it, right? Mm. So that's the idea.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're all doing anyway. You know, every time there's new features come out, is you know, having a play, see what works, what doesn't, moving on.
1: Yeah. And I I like to share when I mess up too, because I I want people to see uh, the the humanity of it, the the humble side of it. I mean, the other day, uh, I think it was David who shared like on LinkedIn, well, don't forget to activate your flow. That's the most important part. And I teach that too, but I wrote right underneath it. I said who opened the ticket with Salesforce before? Uh, because their uh, unactivated flow never ran? And, you know, raise my hand. Yeah, I did that, I did, I did it, you know? I like think I did that with Workflow back in the day as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. We all do these things, yeah, I mean, that's fine. I just just, just learn from it. it. And I
0: think, you know, I always like, I like, failing is the best learning experience, I always think. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're always successful, you don't know what you don't know, almost. But by failing, you're kind of learning from that. In, like the failures I've had over the past, I've learned a lot more from, I suppose, than my successes. Um, yeah. Even if it's certifications or, or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, and another thing that I do is I, I'm quite connected. Uh, I check the Ohana Slack. I check the Discord and this mm. and that and uh, i take a lot of questions on my udemy class on the youtube channel and now i've started a salesforce break slack workspace and we oh, have right, 400 cool. people it's just free uh flow support like if you get stuck you just go there you ask your question and we we help you out right let's oh, go cool. and and uh, uh, i i'm just trying to create a community now there's a SalesforceBreak.com website where everything is connected So, uh, for me, the Udemy course is not something that I do one off and you know, like then you learn uh, flows or you don't learn flows. I don't really care about it. No, I mean, I I want you creating the ecosystem. Yeah, I want you to actually keep at it, learn from it, and then develop and improve because that's how flows really should work. And that gives me also the experience and the superpower to understand what is very hard po- for people to understand under the flow ecosystem. Yeah. you know, Because there are some things that come easy and there are some things that are super difficult for people to understand. Like, yeah. for example, one hurdle is variables, collections, yeah. you know, that, that part is difficult. Loops are difficult. And, yeah, because uh, they're kind I'm, of
0: hitting that code end of the flow architecture, aren't you? Yeah. But it is really valuable to learn.
1: Yeah, and uh, I see that there are... Uh, super motivated people and they actually would like to tackle the very difficult flows too early in the learning process. Oh, That's one of one of the dangers. You know, you'll see that they don't have the fundamentals down but they'll be like, okay, well, I want to... Um, loop through all the account contact relationships and then you know then take the contacts and loop through the contacts and, and, then, and then loop then again and then loop, yeah yeah well uh, hold on a second you know have you done any loops yet
0: you know yeah. hitting governor limits left right <laughs> yeah. And center yeah
1: yeah, yeah. and uh, those are the important ones and another thing that is very important, let me say this out loud here, because it relates to the content that you do. If you do not have the fundamentals already uh, as an admin, you're gonna have a super hard time doing flows because when I'm designing a flow, the first place I go to is my schema builder. I have to know and remember you know, how these objects are related, what are the relationship types, what are the required fields, right? Mm. So I have, I have to have a good understanding. I don't really have to know everything, you know, and memorize everything. I can look them up, obviously. But if you do not have the basic understanding of all the standard objects and their fields and how they relate to each yeah, other, completely. how Salesforce works, then you can't really do this relational stuff. You can do simple stuff, but you know yeah. you can't. I remember,
0: because I did, a, it's the same in the code world as well, exactly the yeah. same. And I remember actually, years ago, I did a, a, a session at Dreamforce, which was the Apex 10 Commandments. And yeah. just hundreds and hundreds of people signed up to it. There's probably like 800 people sitting in, in the room. And <clears throat> one of the slides was basically a chunk of code. And I very nervously asked the audience, what's wrong with this code? And nobody knew what was wrong with it. Some people shouted up some questions like, no comments or stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, couldn't fit it on the page. But no, that's not it. And eventually I said, well, actually, it's replicating functionality that's in the declarative world of Salesforce. (laughs) Yeah, that is what's wrong with it. It's wrong because you shouldn't have written it in the first place. Um, And I think that's also one of the things of kind of, yeah, in flow as well. You know, why are you creating your own approvals in flow when there's approval processes or whatever it may be? Um, Which now you've got in flow anyway now. But um, yeah, that kind of thing. So understanding, yeah, that core platform, objects, relationships, the features within it. Yeah, I think super important.
1: Yeah, I mean, this just happened the other day on Salesforce uh, Breaks Like. Somebody asked me, how would I achieve this, right? You know, this is the use case. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's wrong with the formula field? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. they were like, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let me just check with
0: it. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. And I, it's happened to me as well. Like, talking yeah. about failing, I, I remember that whole slide, Came from me actually writing the code and going halfway through, going, What the hell am I doing? You know, yeah. <laughs> chucking it out and obviously using the declarative functionality. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been super fun. Um, yeah, have you got anything? Are there other things to say? I think we've gone through loads of stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, I've got, I'll put your course website and also the Slack channel if it's okay in the show notes so everybody can kind of sign up. Thank um, you.
1: Thank you. I do appreciate awesome. that. Yes. Um, but yeah, thanks. It's been a... Uh, it's been really, a blast. Thank you very yeah, much. Really and, good fun. Uh, it's great to finally meet you virtually. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, that's the other thing that was unique about my experience because I started ramping up my um, like Twitter and everything else mm. like during the pandemic. So it seems like I know people now very well, like virtually, yeah uh, and you know i connected so well but you know i, I kind of use this to my advantage because I'm, I'm a natural guy on social media and you yeah know, it yeah. worked out really well for me so if i ever get to meet it'll be like you know i already know you right you know i've known <laughs> you for years which is which is fantastic yeah i love it yeah
0: and <clears throat> and also i think it's really great because you've <clears throat> kind of found your niche in the salesforce ecosystem and you're now Yeah, really building on it, creating a community around you, around Flow, helping the community and really kind of bringing your profile, you know, raising your profile as well, which is, I think, you know, everybody should find the bit of Salesforce they love and really kind of help and support the community in that area. And also by being known that it kind of raises your profile and, you know, you kind of have a lot of Of fun doing it. I know I do. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Cool. Well, thanks a lot.